This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. In between horses, ruby lips. A C is on the outside. And kiss the lady down at the rail. Coconut trip. Looking for racing room with Princess of Silmar. Three quarters in 113. Princess of Silmar is now coming on through towards the rail. Here's Princess of Silmar to take the lead with a furlong to the finish. Princess of Silmar in front by three. Then Ruby Lips, Anasia, and Coconut Tramp. Three straight wins for Princess of Silmar. She pours it on in the stretch. One by seven. Ruby Lips was second. Then Asiya and Coconut Tramp. Now here's Bobby Newman. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, and we're going to head straight out to the track Santa Anita, where they're at the post for race number two, 60 degrees, sunny skies in Southern California. Main track fast, the turf course firm on the main track for race two. It's a two-turn flat mile for maiden four and five-year-olds in for a $20,000 tag. We've got a field of seven going to the post in this race. All of them in with the exception of number seven running for Cozy moves to the outside gate. And here's Frank Miramati. And they're off. Sure, Prospect bounces out. I got a guy hard-ridden for speed, and 50 Cinco is quicker than both and up to take the lead. So it's 50 Cinco in front, and I got a guy will prompt from second. Two more to number one, Sun in the green colors, coming through along the rail, and Torleaf is three deep. Sure, Prospect settles in between those two in fifth. Followed by Aviator Nation, five off the pace, and two in front of running for Kosi. They move on to the back stretch, and it's 50 Cinco. The controlling speed has it a length and a half to I Got a Guy second. Torleaf yellow blinkers on the outside of number one Sun. Sure prospect still in between those two. Fifth, but just about three lengths off the lead, inching forward. Another couple back to Aviator Nation and running for Kosi with four and a half furlongs to go. And 50 Cinco to catch. Continues to bound along on the front end. Has it by just over a length to I Got a Guy in second. Sure Prospect puts his head into the third spot. Number one, Sun. Torleaf on the outside into fourth. Aviator Nation starts to rally a bit. Has four lengths to make up with less than three furlongs to do it. And running for Kosi at the back. Five sixteenths to go, and it's still 50 Cinco. Fending off, I got a guy still by a length. I got a guy trying his best to close the gap right now as the field turns for home. 50 Cinco, I got a guy. Sure, prospect coming through along the inside. These three at the eighth pole battling it out. 50 Cinco, sure, prospect in a tad tight. I got a guy on the outside. 50 Cinco, I got a guy. Sure, prospect. 50 Cinco, far too strong opens up again and wins it by two and a half lengths sure prospect out games i got a guy then it was torleaf and aviator nation unofficially two four three five in the second race at santa anita park 50 cinco for mike puppy and armando ayuso getting the job done in race number two we'll get you those prices in a little bit they're running behind schedule at fairgrounds today where it's 65 degrees mostly sunny right now main track fast turf course good They're supposed to be about 12 minutes away from the sixth race, but they're actually approaching the starting gate for race number five. So a little bonus action, if you will, about five furlongs on the turf this fifth race. Condition claiming event for fillies and mares, non-winners of four races lifetime or non-winners of two races on the turf since July 12th of last year. They're all in for the claiming tag of $15,000. Scratch numbers one and three. 
Leaves us with a field of seven going into post. And uh, very slight favorite right now is the nine, Zoom Aaron for Joe Sharp and Jamie Torres. Zoom Aaron has been uh, badly beaten against much stronger competition at both Ellis Park and Kentucky Downs on the turf, either in minor stake races or higher-level allowance races. She was just no match uh, for those runners after pressing the pace and just come kind of fading into oblivion around the turn and down the stretch. few months off, gigantic plunge in class. Good works in tow for a barn that's uh, just fine with these extended layoff-type runners. And Zoom Aaron figures to be prominent from the get-go. We'll see if she's good enough on the drop in class to go all the way. There is a lot of other speed in this race, so it's not a definite that Zoom Aaron's going to be able to get the lead. But uh, we get bonus coverage from this fifth race at Fairgrounds as they had a few inquiries earlier and other deals going on. So uh, them running behind by about 20 minutes means that we get an extra race. Hopefully we still get to uh, cover all the races we had planned to cover from Fairgrounds today. We'll see if they speed up the rest of the card. But they are loading in for this fifth race from New Orleans. Big card. Uh, Well, they've got a a big card next week at New Orleans. The LeCompte is a week from tomorrow and uh, obviously points on the road to the Kentucky Derby. These Phillies and mares don't have to worry about that. Here's John Dooley with Race 5. Running. The Robin Sprinting. Fast start for Lily's Wuffy with Miss Melody toward the inside. They're vying for the early lead, and they're joined by Zumarin now, who dashes up on the outside for Jaime Torres to take the top from Lily's Wuffy. Miss Melody in the red sleeves in third. Sikkim is in between horses. On the outside is Move It Baby, and they have three furlongs to go. Then toward the inside comes Choctaw Bingo, has the gold dots on the black sleeves, and Carson's Princess trails. It's Zumarin. So Zumarin leads them coming toward the quarter pole from Lily's Wuffy, who chases the pace on the outside, Move It Baby, Sikkim, and Miss Melody with the rail. As these Phillies mares turn for home past the quarter pole, we trail back to Choctaw Bingo and finally Carson's Princess. It's Zumarin who leads nearer the rail. Lily's Woofy has that big white blaze and is on even terms now with Zumarin as they come down toward the final half furlong. Choctaw Bingo's running on. Sikkim is under pressure. Miss Melody and on the outside, Move It Baby. They're close to the finish and here comes Choctaw Bingo for Jareth Loveberry. Choctaw Bingo blew past in the stretch run. Lily's Wuffy was tracked down by Choctaw Bingo, then Zoomer and Sikkim, and move it, baby. Unofficially 4-7-9-5 in the fifth race at Fairgrounds. Real stagger fest down the lane with the exception of number four, Choctaw Bingo, who came from well off the pace today and easily rolled by the tired runners in front of her down the lane. Choctaw Bingo uh, looked like she was going nowhere at the top of the stretch, in behind runners and about five lengths off the lead, and then uh, she kind of got kept on going, and the ones who were in front looked like they were looking for a place to lay down. You combine the two, and Choctaw Bingo goes on by at odds of 4-1 to one to win going away. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Over at Gulfstream Park, ninth and final race on their Friday card is uh, just a minute or two away from post time. 82 degrees right now here in South Florida, partly cloudy skies, and they're on the synthetic track for this ninth race. They were off the turf all day today, so uh, seven of the nine races, I believe, were run on the synthetic track today at Gulfstream Park, uh, despite the fact that it's been beautiful weather today. But rain most of the day yesterday, and uh, just kind of that pesky, misty, light drizzle rain that uh, never went away yesterday, and uh, they got enough saturation on the turf at Gulfstream 
to uh, not want to take a chance at running on the turf today. But uh, nice weather today and supposed to be decent weather all weekend, so hopefully they'll be back on the turf uh, for Saturday and Sunday's program. But this ninth and final race on the Friday card scheduled for the synthetic track, the distance five furlongs. These are fillies and mares, non-winners of two races lifetime, and they're in for a claiming price of $8,000. So bottom-level claimers, if you will, at Gulfstream. Field of eight getting together here, number four, Greek Mojo for Carlos David and Paco Lopez, the six-to-five favorite right now in the wagering. Greek Mojo has been running against condition 12-5 claimers in her last three starts, two wins, uh, I'm sorry, two third-place finishes and a fourth-place finish to her credit, and she was favored in two of those three starts against theoretically better than what she's going to see today. I honestly don't think that, and I guess this isn't technically a bomb. I think they run 62-50 claimers as well at Gulfstream, but let's face it, when you're getting to the 62-50, 8-10, 12-5, I mean, it's basically all the same thing. You know, these are, they're just... You know, runners in search of their second career win. And uh, sometimes you get the ones who just came off a maiden win. Some of them have looked like they've been in search for that second career win forever. Um, I think Greek Mojo's kind of closer to the latter than the former. Uh, her maiden win was May of last year. She's had six starts since that race. She's been in the money three of those six races, and she's favored half of those times against theoretically better competition, dropping, if you will, into this $8,000 condition claimer today. And the uh, public is going to take a dive on her once again. They're not satisfied with all the money that they lost on Greek Mojo over the last several months. They're willing to uh, take a short price on her again. Second choice in the wagering at this point is the five She's So Bearish for Georgina Baxter and jockey Sean Bridgemahan. Good third-place finish at this level, going a mile and 70 yards last time out. Now shortening all the way back up to five furlongs. If you think five furlongs is long enough for She's So Bearish, then she should come running in this spot. Uh, For a five-furlong race, well, there's a little bit of speed in here, but not not as much early speed as you see a lot of times in these five-furlong races where normally it kind of seems like half of the field wants to go to the lead. It's not quite like that in this finale at Gulfstream today. But uh, beautiful day in South Florida, Um, hopefully making up for a little bit about what we saw yesterday in South Florida, and hopefully we have great weather throughout the weekend as well. Here's Pete Aiello with the ninth and final from Hallandale Beach. Oop, and just as I say that, we've got one acting up in the gate, and that looks like number seven, Lang, Yang, I don't know what it is, Lang Lang, Y-L-A-N-G, Y-L-A, let's go Lang Lang. Or Elang-a-lang, Elang-a-lang. Well, Elang-a-lang was acting up in the gate, and the rider came off. And now the rider has been taken off of number six, Bingo Star. I mean, number five, She's So Bearish as well. So we may have a delay, and some of the runners are being backed out of the gate. All right, so we're going to watch this to see what happens uh, at Oak, at uh, Gulfstream Park because, well... We don't know what's going on. They're not really showing us anything other than the starting gate, but I can see from the little bit, uh, like the two feet behind the gate, they're showing us that the runners have been backed out. So nobody is scratched yet, but this the riders are now taking off their mounts. And in fact, it is number seven, Elang-Elang, who was stuck under the gate. I, now this is unbelievable. This is, listen, the folks around the country who are in charge of 
uh, camera work at racetracks, you've probably seen it, especially over the last five years or so. When there's something possibly bad happening at the starting gate or behind the gate, they do not show it to the public. They're, you know, they, they're afraid of something really, really bad happening and the entire racing world seeing it. Um, and I understand that. Um, the camera folks at Gulfstream switched back to a different view just in time for us to see number seven, Alang-Alang, on the ground under the gate flailing away before she was able to free herself uh, out the backside of the gate. Now, number seven, Alang-Alang, has been scratched out of this ninth race at Gulfstream Park. Um, Thankfully, uh, it doesn't look like she was majorly hurt in the race, obvious uh, she could have been nicked up. We didn't we didn't get to see it, but uh, we did see her. She obviously flipped and uh, was lodged under the starting gate at least at one point, and that caused the delay. And uh, hopefully, none of the other horses. You know, you not only have to worry about the the horse that does the acting up. You especially you have to worry about especially the horses on either side of her. In this case, it would have been the six Bingo Star and eight Dove in charge because. You know, when the seven Elang-Elang is down on the ground and, you know, nervous and not knowing what's going on and basically kicking and flailing away, trying to right the ship, if you will, you know, those arms and legs are moving. Uh, And just as a human doesn't want to be kicked by a horse, other horses don't want to be kicked by a horse, especially down there where there's nothing, where it's just basically skin and bone down by the ankles and the knees and, you know, and the forelegs and things like that. Um, but it looks like everyone was able to avoid uh, any sort of an injury as nobody else has been scratched out of this race. All right, so the riders are back on their mounts and they're getting ready to reload for this race. I can tell you at Aqueduct, we're about three minutes away from post time for their finale, the eighth race on the card, now two minutes away from post time. So uh, hopefully they'll get this race at Gulfstream going and we can bring you the finale at Aqueduct as well. And of course, we already owe you the prices at both Santa Anita and Fairgrounds, 10 minutes away from the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. So it's uh, it's been uh, an eventful first 15 minutes on betting with Bobby. By the way, if you want to be part of the show, Feel free to call in 888-966-4776. That's 888-966-HRRN. You can always email me directly, bobby at horseracingradio.net. That's B-O-B-B-Y. But we've got live racing from everywhere today. Finishing up the card at Gulfstream. Going to be finishing up the card at Aqueduct. Live racing at Fairgrounds, Oaklawn, and Santa Anita as well on a full Friday afternoon, right smack dab in the middle of January. Waiting for number eight, Dove in charge to go to the outside gate. Take two, Pete Aiello on the call. And they're off. Bingo star off slow. Good start inside for Grace Candy, who heads off for the early lead. Dove in charge is going to run with her. Greek Mojo hunting some forward position. She so bearish alongside her. Out in the center and moving up a touch is Bingo Star after the bad break. Then it's a gap of three to Jin Rin and Martini Zamika at the back of the group as they swing to the far turn. 
Grace Candy, fleet-footed with a length to play with. Dub in charge is second. Greek Mojo is at the rail trying to improve from there. Here she comes, Greek Mojo. She's going to get a textbook run right through traffic and up to the leader about a half length behind. Four wide and bingo stars. She so bearish is at the rail. Greek Mojo with no excuse from there. They whistled a quarter in 21-1, and one, and Greek Mojo has already passed Grace Candy. From third, she so bearish down the center and bingo star. There's an eighth of a mile to go. It's Greek Mojo who's kicked clear and bid this field a pleasant Friday good afternoon. It's Greek Mojo by four by five and still moving away. Greek Mojo in front. Dove in charge was second. Shiso Barish ran third. Fourth is Bingo Star in 56 and two. Unofficially 4-8-5-6 in the ninth and final at Gulfstream Park. The favorite Greek Mojo gets it right on the slight drop in class today and she draws away for the impressive win. Over at Aqueduct, it's just about post time for the eighth and final race on their Friday card. 44 degrees right now in Jamaica, Queens. Mostly cloudy skies, and the track is fast for this eighth race. Mile and an eighth the distance, a starter allowance race for the four-year-olds and up. We have a field of 10 that includes an entry of Masterwork and Rungius, and the favorite right now is number nine, Apollo Rising for William Walden and Manny Franco. Apollo Rising is riding a two-race win streak into this race today. Those races were both against condition-claiming runners, um, once at Keeneland, once at Aqueduct, and they were resounding victories. So uh, the connections of Apollo Rising have decided that uh, they want to keep them at least a little while longer, not offering them up for the tag today and uh, stepping up into what you would think is a little bit tougher company, facing starter allowance competition, and uh, right now 3-1 to one on the board. 4-1 to one on the entry of Masterwork and Arungius. Uh, they both look like they're qualified runners in this spot. Tom Morley contra- uh, trains Masterwork, who was third against the same level of competition last time out. Uh, Rungius or Rungius for Bruce Levine, claimed out of a condition $30,000 claimer last time out, so taking a little bit of a step up in class. Others getting play, number three, Seeking Unity, number four, Cloud Forest, four to one and nine to two, respectively. So a typical uh, puzzle for the finale at Aqueduct always seems to be uh, either, if not a full field, a larger field when you get to uh, the last race on the card in New York, and a lot of times it is lower-level claiming, sometimes state-bred, maiden-claiming type races. Uh, In this case, neither of the two, an open starter allowance race that drew a field of 10. But uh, a tough handicapping puzzle nonetheless to close out the Friday card, and they are loading into the starting gate now. Two turns, the mile and an eighth at Aqueduct. Normally, I would say that they're uh, starting in front of all the fans out on the apron, but uh, I don't see any fans on the apron. And to be honest, it's been a while since I've been to Aqueduct. I love Aqueduct. Um, you know, ca- the casino that's atta- that's right there at Aqueduct is obviously a big thing, but there's still a racetrack-only part, and maybe it's just the fact that it's 44 degrees out uh, that we don't see a lot of people there. We see a few people. Now, they're not down on the apron. It looks like they came just out of the doors of the clubhouse, just you know, for the two and a half minutes that they have to deal with the coldish weather, uh, but that they get to watch a race live and they get to see the starting gate run in front of them and the horses break out of the gate basically directly in front of them and make uh, one lap around the oval in Jamaica, Queens. All right, uh, last one to go in will be the favorite, number nine, Apollo Rising, looking for his third straight win. Manny Franco aboard, the son of Caraconti. 
And here's Chris Griffin. And they're off. Cloud Forest has speed, so does What a Blast. His heart set towards the inside, and from the inside draw, it's What a Blast. We'll take him into that first turn with Lane Leslie. Three across the racetrack, though, as splitting them. Here comes Seeking Unity. Wants a piece of the early action. Cloud Forest is going to be three wide. Apollo Rising. Manny Franco's trying to save ground. Tucks right in behind the leaders. Is three wide in that second grouping. Also there is going to be in the fifth spot. That's Rungus, and at the rail, Centavo. Three by three there for the front six. Gut feeling is in the red cap. Has no choice but to go very wide here as they work to the back stretch. Tapping on the brakes is Masterwork. Nowhere to go. Luis Rivera Jr. is right in behind those leaders. Then comes Blue Grotto, who's second to last. And the trailer is St. James. They work to the backstretch. 24.49 for the opening quarter mile. What a blast is 31 to 1 and has the lead is up by a half length. In between horses comes Seeking Unity is patiently ridden now. More settled with Cloud Forest still three wide. Gut Feeling is four wide in that second grouping. Apollo Rising's in the three path. Then comes Rungus is in the two path as they're battling for that second spot now is moving forward. Centavo is at the rail still patiently ridden as Masterwork just waiting for the cues. Second to last Blue Grotto the trailer remains St. James 49 and 4 for the half mile time. And here's What a Blast still in front, seeking unity. Cloud Forest is ranging up on the outside. Apollo Rising now gets the cue. Gut feeling is going to be five wide. Here comes Masterwork, was right in behind the leaders, is in hand, and Masterwork looks to have run. Just waiting for the seam right now as they approach a quarter mile left to go. Apollo Rising takes it right to Cloud Forest. Masterwork is looking for a way out, is going to tip towards the outside. Seeking unity is still in there. Rungus has got some run as well. Apollo Rising, Cloud Forest, here comes Rungus, and now the stablemate Masterwork's going to follow that one. Apollo Rising is still in front. Rungus and Ruben Silvera down towards the inside, and now they put a neck in front. It's Rungus who's sprinting clear, and Rungus wins the finale. Rungus wins it over Cloud Forest, and Apollo Rising, Masterwork seeking unity, and St. James in 1 minute, 52 and 4. Unofficially, 1A, 4, 9, 1, and 3, the top five finishers in the eighth and final at Aqueduct. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll get you paid everywhere. Head out to Oaklawn Park as they're getting close to post time for race number seven, betting with Bobby on HRRN. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Ironman. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity. Because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources, and Services Administration. Would you know what to do in a poison emergency? Would you know whom to call? Well... The answer is poison help. 1-800-222-1222. Poison help is a 24-7 government hotline staffed by poison experts. It's free to call and available in over 100 languages. Every second counts in a poison emergency. Don't waste it wondering who to call. Save poison help in your phone today. 1-800-222-1222.
888-888-1222. Don't miss the Equine Forum every Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on HRRN. Mike Penna brings you the latest in thoroughbred racing, featuring interviews with trainers, jockeys, owners, and other racing insiders. Plus, exclusive segments you won't hear anywhere else. The Equine Forum, the show that launched a network. Saturdays, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Tamarando starting to pick it up. AETRO has been eased. They're at the top of the lane, and California Chrome strikes the front full run now. California Chrome striding away impressively up front. California Chrome down the center, it's Tamarando, but it's all California Chrome. They would need to sprout wings to get to him. California Chrome and Victor Espinosa romp in the California Cup Derby. Tamarando was second, life is a joy third, then awesome return and better bet. 2014 first ever Cal Cup Derby won by California Chrome. This year's edition of the Cal Cup Derby, which is now named the California Chrome California Cup Derby, takes place tomorrow out at Santa Anita. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm here. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, your prices from everywhere, but before we get to them, we need to get to Oaklawn because they're arriving at the starting gate for race 7. 39 degrees, sunny skies, but a muddy racetrack for this seventh race at Oaklawn. Six furlongs the distance, a starter allowance event. Four fillies and mares, scratch numbers 2 and 13. Big field of 11 going to post in this race. Number nine, Pillbox, was 8-1 to one on the morning line. Bet down to 2-1 to one now for the team of Lindy Schultz. And then Francisco Arietta was 2-1 to one in a starter allowance at Churchill back in November and uh, just didn't really run a step. She beat, got beat, uh, she ran seventh, rather, beaten uh, some eight lengths or so. But her previous start was very, very good for trainer Safi Joseph Jr. when winning a conditioned $40,000 claimer at Churchill. But the barn change and the step up in class, whatever it was, uh, she did not repeat that last effort. Betters obviously think there's a chance of her getting back to the good form today as she is 2-1 to one on the board. Second choice is number seven, going the distance for Chris Hartman and Chris Landeros. They claimed this one out of a maiden $40,000 claimer last time out where going the distance won for trainer Matt Shire. So now goes uh, from one solid barn to another and steps up against winners for the first time. But uh, going the distance, certainly speed figure-wise, if she can repeat her last race, uh, makes her one of the ones in this spot. But she certainly doesn't stick out. Maybe people playing uh, on the come, if you will, with the move to the Chris Hartman barn. Last few runners going in. We're waiting on the 12. There's a silver lining for the team of Christian Torres and Tom Vance to the outside gate. There's a silver lining to move in in the red and white with black trim. And we head out to Oaklawn for the seventh. That was Hartley who popped open the front of the gate, didn't get very far, went out of there and probably went about 15 yards or so. Okay, so what's happened is the 11 Hartley, the uh, gray daughter of Cairo Prince, uh, broke through the front of the gate. And as you heard there in the call, uh, she did not get loose, and she's already back in uh, with uh, the valet, and or I'm sorry, with the assistant starter, and going back into uh, one from the outside. And there, let's try once again. Leroff 
Good beginning for all the runners. Twirling Tigress out alertly with going the distance. Going the distance takes it to Twirling Tigress, who's right on the outside, pressing on her throat latch. Going the distance, the leader from Twirling Tigress. House of Magic is in the third position, usually on the lead. Today, she's stalking the pace. She's four lengths behind, followed by Punchy Girl and Teresa's Silver Linen to the outside. A gap of two to a line of runners. Hartley's there with Pillbox, Her Dam's Attitude, and Shanghai Express into the forward turn run. A gap of five to Insightful Miss as one runner beaten as they round the far turn. Going the distance, the leader by just a deck. Twirling Tigress right there. House of Magic's creeping in three wide. Joining the fun on the front end. Make it a four deep. Teresa's silver lining. There's four runners battling for the win at the quarter pole. They come off the turn here. House of Magic out of that quartet has the head lead. Inside the gray going the distance trying to fight back, but she's back in the second spot. Teresa's silver lining couldn't keep up. Pillbox down the Extreme outside is coming fast, and here comes Pillbox. Pillbox and Francisco Arietta have swarmed the early leaders and go away now. It's Pillbox drawing clear. Pillbox by two and a half. Shanghai Express in the photo for second with House of Magic. Teresa's silver line in fourth hope. Unofficially nine in a place photo between numbers four and ten. The favorite pillbox, who ends up going off at five to two, uh, comes from off the pace today and gets back to the good form and is going to get back to the winner's circle. That's her third win from eight career starts. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Speaking of prices, need to get you paid out at Santa Anita, uh, where the second race on the card went to number two, 50 Cinco. She's a, or rather, he's a four-year-old bay gelding by Mendelssohn out of this discreet cat mare, Shannon Faith, owned by Sluggo Racing or Strauss and trained by Mike Pipey, Armando Ayuso, winning rider, 50 Cinco, paid $5.320 and $2.40. Second was number four, Sure Prospect, four eighty two eighty. Third three, I Got a Guy, two forty to show, and fourth number five, Torleaf. The exacta paid fifteen sixty, the trifecta thirty one sixty, and the dollar superfecta paid one hundred five dollars and twenty cents. Uh, over at Santa Anita now, let's see where they are at fairgrounds and where they are at Santa Anita. Okay, over at Santa Anita now, we're get about a minute away from post time for the third race on the card. And at Santa Anita, race number three is da 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 da. Uh, a turf event, six furlongs on the turf for the cow-bred or sired maiden four- and five-year-olds. So uh, a cow-bred maiden special weight event at six furlongs on the turf, if you will. Field of seven going to post here. A couple of nine-to-five shots right now on the board. Number two, Sneak a Smile. Number five, Antonson. Antonson, just a tad more money at this point for Carla Gaines and Juan Hernandez. Uh, back-to-back starts at Del Mar going five-eighths on the turf, including a nice third last time out where he was making up ground in the late stages. This is a horse who did not get to the races till the latter part of his four-year-old campaign. So now as a five-year-old, still full horse, just making the third start of his career, and he's named over uh, after one of his part owners. And I don't know Mr. or Mrs. Antonson's name, but uh, that is listed as an owner. Uh, Number two, Sneak a Smile has only run once. It was at Los Al, obviously on the dirt, was not bet at all that day and ran a decent fourth uh, by Smiling Tiger out of a single Terry mare. Certainly decent breeding to handle the turf for the first time. And uh, if he improves a little bit, second start of his career or runs better on the turf than he did on the dirt, 
he's going to have a big chance, and uh, he looks good as they arrive at the starting gate. So they're at the gate now for the third race on the card over at Santa Anita. After this, we will head to Fairgrounds, where they are about three or four minutes away from their sixth race. And I know we still owe you prices from their fifth, so we'll get it for you uh, between the Santa Anita race and before they go into the gate at Fairgrounds. Fast and furious action, and we like it that day on a betting with Bobby Friday afternoon. Would much rather have way too many races than way too few. When you, you know, those rare times, times a year where, you know, there's only one track running and it's not always the greatest racing, that's tough. When we got five good ones going, we love it. Here's the third at Santa Anita. And they're off. Rough start for Bronco Nagurski. Remy or not in the center has good debut speed and takes the lead. Challenged immediately by Antonsen, and Antonsen's a little bit quicker. With more try, a close-up third, a length and a half off the leaders. Sneak A Smile is down on the inside of Thank You Honey, Bronco Nagurski and Rhythm on stage. Half mile left to travel. And it is Antonsen just in front. Remy or not keeping pace along the inside. Two more to more try in third. Sneak a smile. Four off the pace, followed by Bronco Nagurski at the rail. Rhythm on stage. And thank you, honey, now at the back. Antonsen, more try, a fresh challenge. And Bronco Nagurski underway on the outside. From the back of the field, Rhythm on stage in the red as Sneak a Smile comes through. And Sneak a Smile is in the thick of it at the furlong pole. Bronco Nagurski, a tough to handle customer on the outside, trying to drift in, but now coming to get the lead. And it's Bronco Nagurski with a head in front, close to the wire. Sneak a Smile will be second best. It will be Bronco Nagurski. Sneak a Smile with some steadying late. Then Rhythm on stage, more try in Antonsen. Unofficially 6217 in the third at Santa Anita Park, but hold all tickets. Number six, Bronco Nagurski looked like uh, he was trying to get in the entire way down the stretch. And not only did the runner-up steady in the late stages, but I think when he was going by the third and fourth runners, there was some steadying as well. So I'm sure the stewards are going to look at it to see what exactly Bronco Nagurski did, if he did anything at all down the lane at Santa Anita. But as of now, he is the winner of race number three. Over at Fairgrounds, owe you some prices from their fifth race, where number four, Choctaw Bingo, Came flying down the outside to get the win. Six-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Mare by Air Force Blue out of the Freud Mare Naked Empress owned by Paradise Farms Corp. And David Stodicker, Mike Maker, the trainer, Jareth Loveberry, the winning rider. And that one paid 1080 to win, 580 to place, and 320 to show. Second seven, Lily's Woofy. Nine twenty-five sixty. Third nine, Zoom Aaron. Three dollars to show. Fourth number five, Sikkim. The Exacta paid seventy-one twenty. The Try eighty-one fifteen dollars. Super four hundred twenty-eight dollars and seventy cents. They are getting close to post time for the sixth race at the fairgrounds, which is a maiden event for three-year-olds in for a $15,000 tag. They sprint six furlongs on the fast main track. Field of 10 going to post in this race. Couple of five to two shots right now on the board. Those are number one, a tan man can, and three, purple octopus. Purple octopus has three career starts, uh, including two at this maiden 15 level, and he was second, rather, in both of those starts at this level. Claimed 
away from Mike Stidham by Larry Ravelli, who was the original trainer of Purple Octopus. So a good sign, if you will, that the original trainer is willing to claim him back for that $15,000 level. He makes sense. But number one, Tan Man Can is a first-time starter for Chris Hartman, who is, uh, although he's doing very well at Oaklawn, the Chris Hartman barn has been terrible thus far at fairgrounds. Um, they're certainly very capable of getting first-time starters ready to go, and they've had good success with first-time starters when debuting for a tag. Uh, you not only have to deal with that, but you have to deal with the rail with this first-time starter, Tan Man Can, who is by Spitzer out of a Scat Daddy mare. So at least on the top side, certainly a lot of sprint breeding. When, scat, when I see Scat Daddy, I think more long and turf. Um, what we'll see what Tan Man Can does uh, in his debut, breaking from the rail this afternoon. Uh, solid series of half-mile and five-furlong works. Uh, spotty since last September and all the way through the early part of this year uh, for this three-year-old son of Spitster, who will have to deal with the fence for his debut. But they are loading into the starting gate now. That'll put a trouble getting number two, Dromas, into the gate. And Dromas uh, does finally go in. Um, by the way, over at Santa Anita, they are looking at the stretch run of the race. They've got the four corners up, if you will, the four different views that the stewards are looking at uh, all put up for those of us who are uh, fans slash betters to see. And uh, we'll see if the stewards decided that uh, there was enough going on with Bronco Nagurski in the stretch to warrant a disqualification. And if so... Where would he be dropped to? Because to me, on just watching the pan shot, uh, there were more. There was more than one instance of a horse steading as Bronco Nagurski tried to go by them. So it's possible he interfered with nobody, with one horse, with a few horses in running down the lane. Last few are going in for this sixth race at the fairgrounds, where Tan Man Can and Purple Octopus are still vying for favoritism. The outside starting gun, the rider changed to Jose Andres Guerrero to complete the line. And here's race six from the fairgrounds. Good one, favorite. And they're off. Purple Octopus broke sharp with Victor Ali. Starting gun on the extreme outside. And there's Tan Man Can now for Mitchell Murrell. And Ellie's boyfriend at long odds pressing Tan Man Can, who just leads Ellie's boyfriend staying close. Purple Octopus in third. Starting gun gets position in fourth. The Alabama bred Dramas in fifth. Cooking with Catman sixth on the far outside. Backfire is in between horses. Some six to seven lengths off the leader. Tan Man Can past the half mile. A break of eight more to Victor Alley with... Here's the inside, Majestic Kraken and Strong Diamond Trails, the maiden three-year-old sprint. The opening quarter in 22.29 here in the breezy Big Easy, and these leaders coming toward the quarter pole. It's Ellie's Boyfriend. Ellie's Boyfriend at 36-1. Tan Man Can responds. Ellie's Boyfriend and Tan Man Can, they take this past the quarter pole. Ellie's Boyfriend, Tan Man Can with the rail. Starting gun. Backfires charging. Purple Octopus toward the inside. Then Dromas half mile was battled through in 46.07 with Mitchell Murrell. It's Tan Man Can. Tan Man Can is determined. Ellie's boyfriend's in full stretch and backfire mounting a late charge, but there's 40 yards to go. The first time starter, Tan Man Can. Tan Man Can holding on from backfire. Ellie's boyfriend third and Purple Octopus finished fourth. First time starters run one, two, three in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. The order of finish one, five, four, three. 
And it was the one that everyone seemed to know about. Number one, Tan Man Can, who was 8-1 on the morning line, actually goes off the 2-1 to favorite in the race. Shows speed right off the bat, then uh, fends off a challenge down the lane before kicking clear and then holding on once again from Backfire, who was closing in the late stages. But Tan Man Can, the son of Spitester, is a debut winner at the fairgrounds covering the six furlongs in 1-11-3. Over at Santa Anita, nothing is, ch- is fixed yet, meaning nothing has been decided. The inquiry and objection sign is up for the top four finishers, 6-2-1-7. I can tell you that Bronco Nagurski and Jockey Kaz Kimura now has climbed back aboard, and it looks like he's headed toward the winner's circle, or at least they think that there's a chance of that. Now the inquiry sign has been taken down, but the ejection sign is up, and now the objection sign has been taken down. And what is going on at Santa Anita? It kind of looks, it's no change. Wow. That's an interesting no change there because they showed the head-on and Kaz Kamura was doing everything he could possibly do to keep Bronco Nagurski from drifting in on other horses and at least twice in the stretch, different horses steadied inside of Bronco Nagurski and he definitely came in and uh, bumped hard with the fourth place finisher in the race. But obviously the stewards uh, decided that uh, whatever happened wasn't enough to change anything or uh, make anything different and they have made the race official and uh, I am not a Twitter person, but my guess is Uh, Those of you on Twitter will read about this from several people who are not going to like this decision uh, going forward. So uh, interesting that there's no change in that race at Santa Anita. Okay, owe you some prices from both Gulfstream Park and from Aqueduct. We'll start at Gulfstream where the ninth and final race on the card went to the favorite number four, Greek Mojo. She's a four-year-old Bay filly by Uncle Mo out of the Tappet Mare Greek Sister, owned by Arricio and Jacobson as well as others, trained by Carlos David. Paco Lopez, the winning rider on Greek Mojo, who paid 380, 260, and 210. Second eight, Dove in Charge, 1160, 520. Third five, She's So Bearish, 260 to show, to show rather. Fourth number six, Bingo Star. Exact at thirty-four twenty, the try nineteen twenty-five dollars super, one hundred twenty-six dollars and forty cents. Over at Aqueduct, eighth and final race on their Friday card was won by one A. Part of the entry, Rungus, four-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Gelding by Liam's Map out of the Discreet Catmare Suite and Discreet, owned by Flying P Stable and trained by Bruce Levine, Ruben Silvera, the winning rider. On the 1A Rungius, who paid, or rather Rungus, who paid 860, 410, and 240. Uh, second was number four, Cloud Forest, 573 dollars. Third nine, Apollo Rising, 280 to show. Fourth was the Plain One. Fifth was number three, Seeking Unity. So the Superfecta combination will be 1493. That Exacta paid 4140. The Try 3762, and the Dollar Superfecta 359 dollars and 50 cents over at Oaklawn Park results of their seventh race have been posted official and the winner there was the favorite number nine pillbox bet down from eight to one on the morning line to five to two at post time five-year-old bay mare by we miss Artie out of the ghost zapper mare endless fancy owned by alan schubert and portilla racing and trained by lindsey schultz francisco arietta the winning rider 
uh, and pillbox paid 720 440 and 340 second four shanghai express $40 to place 1540 to show third 10 uh, house of magic 340 to show fourth number 12 there's a silver lining the exact at 273.40, the trifecta $498.75, and the dollar superfecta $7,019 even. All right, so over at Santa Anita, they're actually showing a replay uh, of the stewards' inquiry in this race. So I am interested to see um, how they came up with a no-change decision. Um, they've they've got it they've got it paused as they're passing the quarter pole and coming to the top of the stretch. And Bronco Nagurski, who didn't get out of the gate very well at all, uh, has been closing three wide on the outside and uh, is making a run toward the leaders as they arrive at the top of the stretch. Um, and they've decided now they, they're rolling the action. And Bronco Nagurski is about five wide now, actually, into the stretch. And he's got his head cocked to the right because Kaz Kamura already knows he's drifting. And he definitely brushed with number seven more try at that point. Uh, then we saw Antonsen take up in behind runners, although I don't know if it was clear or not. And there was a, a little bit of a like a half drift inside in the last 10, 15 yards or so where Sneak a Smile uh, checked just a little bit, but I don't think he was really interfered with. Boy, that, that's a lot of things to go on to not take this horse down. Um, I, I, I guess they could say, and looking at the drone view, that maybe he was clear of these horses when that happened, but he definitely brushed with the seven basically outside the furlong pole Oh, I'm glad I didn't bet. I, I'm glad that I didn't have the second horse or something like that. I'd be a little, I'd be a little upset uh, with this. But no harm, no foul, and uh, that's where we are. As we uh, we owe you the prices at San Diego, and we'll get you those in a few minutes. By the way, uh, top of the show, we heard the stretch run of the 2013 edition of the Busanda. The Busanda is the stake race tomorrow out at Aqueduct. Princess of Silmar. My good friend Chris DiCarlo aboard winning the Busanda back in 2013. This is a race that's been run in New York since the uh, earlier mid-70s. Uh, some good, not phenomenal fillies have won this race over the years. Obviously, Princess of Silmar was a very, very good filly in her own right. Wayward Lass, I think, was a champion three-year-old filly back in 1981, the year that she won the race. Princess of Silmar, uh, we forget she was a good one for Todd Pletcher, who won the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, back in 2013. In fact, uh, after winning the Busanda, she would go on to win four grade one races in 2013, the Beldane, the Alabama, the the coaching club, American Oaks, and of course the Kentucky Oaks. Um, but she was not named uh, an Eclipse Award winner that year, but still a uh, four-time grade one stake winner in 2013. And uh, Chris DiCarlo picking up the mount uh, on Princess Sosomer, a good Pennsylvania bred by Majestic Warrior, who got the job done in the Busanda as well that 2013 year. Uh, we also heard coming out of our last break the winning run of California Chrome in the first ever Cal Cup Derby back in 2014. The Cal, Cal Cup Derby is one of five stakes tomorrow out in Southern California. It's restricted to Cal bred or sired three-year-olds. I believe going a mile and an eighth on the main track, and it's really not a phenomenal race tomorrow. No California Chromes, it looks like, in this year's field. But uh, California Chrome's so good that the race has been renamed in his honor. It's now technically called the California Chrome Cal Cup Derby. 
which is just a lot of words. Uh, but California Chrome himself, obviously uh, one of the best cowbreds that we've seen uh, in our lifetime, certainly in a long, long time, not only the Derby and Preakness winner uh, in 2014, uh, but he, the champion three-year-old Colt and Horse of the Year in that 2014 season. He was the champion older horse and Horse of the Year in 2016. And uh, just last year, he was inducted into the National Racing Museum Hall of Fame California Chrome and all made over $14.7 million in his career. And he won 16 of his 27 career starts and uh, believe it or not the for all those races that he won the race that i did the best in that california chrome was in was when he ran against arrogate in the pegasus uh because it looked to me it, it sounded for every bit like it was those two and everybody else there was nobody who could beat those two though they were clearly better than everyone else uh, short run to the first turn at Gulfstream park going a mile and an eighth arrogate arrogate through the rail uh, california chrome drew the outside Sayonara, Katie bar the door. That is all there was to it. The race was over before they even got to the starting gate. Arrogate obviously turned out to be a very, very good horse. Um, and maybe he was going to beat California Chrome no matter what. But uh, California Chrome really defeated by the post position draw. At, you know, I, let's just maybe not defeated by the post position draw, uh, but uh, the dirt was thrown on the you know what uh, when he drew the outside. That's all there was to it. So, um, but he was a really, really good horse, and obviously you have to be a pretty good horse uh, to win the Kentucky Derby. But he was no fluke. You know, there have been some Derby winners over the last 20 years or so uh, where some of us, myself included, kind of scoff when thinking about him, uh, whether it's, you know, just a rich strike a few years ago or whether it's mine that bird or a horse like, um, oh, I can't even think of the horse's name, Giacomo. I don't, he was a good horse. I don't think he was a great horse. California Chrome was a great horse. I mean, look at his record. Look at his earnings. Look what he did aside from winning the Derby. You know, he won the Preakness. He was, and he was a graded stake winner on turf. I mean, he's just, he's turned out to be a, he's turned out to be a good stallion too. So, uh, yeah, he was really, really good. All right, over at Oaklawn Park, they are getting close to post time for the eighth race on the card. Shortened post parades at Oakland, and my guess is it's just because it's not real warm out there. There's no bad weather, I think, in the area right now. It's just in the high 30s and going down. Uh, so uh, probably thinking the horses and especially the riders and the people working uh, you know, on the starting gate and the, and the uh, outriders probably don't want to be out there when the temperatures are right around freezing, and especially if there's any wind. Now, I will say this, uh, and it's a testament to the fandom that Oaklawn Park has. Uh, I do see a few fans uh, straggling out onto the apron as the horses parade in front of the grandstand for a shortened post parade. It says just two minutes to post. There's no chance they get to the starting gate in two minutes because, like I said, they haven't even made the turn to introduce the horses at two minutes to post. Um, And it's not like it's a driving rainstorm where they would go straight over to the starting gate after that. They are going to jog at least a little bit and uh, try to get warmed up, if you will, in these cold conditions. But the eighth race on the card is the distance of a mile and three-sixteenths, which means it basically starts near the top of the stretch. It's an optional claiming starter allowance event for four-year-olds and up. Um, it's a, this is a weird race. It's an optional claiming allowance slash starter allowance race. How did they come up with this? All right, four-year-olds and up, non-winners of two other than. Or 
starter since August 12th of 23, or you can be in for a claiming tag of $100,000. And I'm glancing through it, and there actually are a couple horses in for that $100,000 tag. Don't see too many horses claimed for $100,000 these days, but you never know. Uh, field of eight after the scratch of number six, Dash Attack. And the favorite right now is number seven, Frosted Departure. And uh, we all know his name. It's just been a long time since he's seen the Charm Circle. This is a horse who was on the Kentucky Derby Trail last year. He ran in the Southwest. He ran in the Rebel. He actually ran third in the Southwest last year. Uh, he's run behind a horse like Rivet uh, in the Chick Lang last year. He uh, even tried graded stakes on the turf at Kentucky Downs. Most recently, he uh, pummeled an allowance optional claiming field uh, at Oakland last month, basically four weeks ago. He went right to the lead and won off by some seven lengths in what clearly speed figure-wise was the best race he had run in a long, long time. It was also the first time he had found himself on the lead, and he went very slow in making the lead, so a kind of an anomaly race. He was able to go 24 seconds flat, 48-2 and two for the half, and have no pressure at all on the front end. Uh, so he probably ran kind of his normal fractions, but instead of being, you know, three, four lengths off the pace early on, just nobody went. He found himself on the front end, and that was that. Uh, I don't know if that's how it's going to work out today, and he's run on an off track five times in his career uh, with only one third place finish to show. So you got a horse coming, you know, obviously not his favorite kind of a racetrack today and coming off his best race in a race where he just ended up alone on the lead almost by accident. It kind of seems like a horse that I wouldn't want at 9-5. to five. If he wins, that's fine. He's not my type of runner. Uh, there's other speed in here. Strava to his outside has been showing speed in sprint races. Uh, Santos Dumont has made the lead in two of his last three starts. So at least the pace should be contested. Even number one, Buck Moon, and I'm always careful when I pronounce that name. He actually ran at Prairie Meadows last summer, and um, he didn't run that well in, in, a, in a tough stake race there. But uh, anytime I see the word Buck in there, I try to enunciate it correctly, um, not that B's and F's sound all that alike uh but i certainly don't want to i don't want to blow it so buck moon uh is another one who could show speed from the inside so if we're trying to get somebody to win it from off the pace who can it be well number two command performance is a horse who won from four and a half lengths back at churchill going a mile and an eighth two starts back last time out he was in that same race with first departure, and he was actually the 5-2 to two favorite in the race, and he was just awful. Uh, Common says that he was bothered at the half-mile pole. I don't know if he was bothered enough to get beat 15 lengths, uh, but speed figure-wise, it certainly was not one of his better efforts. His good races, though, certainly make him one of the ones to beat, and I think he's going to have some pace to run at. Uh, number three, time for trouble is getting play. He was 15-1 to one on the morning line. He's actually 5-1 to one right now. Came from nowhere. I mean, 10th, uh, which was second to last in a field of 11 at Fairgrounds last time out and passed everyone to get up and win by a head against a much softer starter allowance competition. Uh, but he did win on a wet racetrack. In fact, he's 2-for-2 two two 
on a wet racetrack, and maybe that's why he's getting some play as well. People out there figuring that uh, the muddy track will help the chances of time for trouble. So they are loading into the starting gate uh, for this eighth race on the card at Oaklawn. By the way, I can tell you we're about seven minutes, seven, eight minutes away from the seventh race at Fairgrounds. We've got about nine minutes to post for the fourth at Santa Anita, so back to some good spacing now for these three tracks that continue throughout this Friday afternoon. Top of the stretch for the starting gate of the mile and a 316th eight race at Oaklawn Park. Matt Dinnerman on the call. And uh, Leroff, command performance got crowded at the break and also getting slammed into time for trouble. And those two drop back to the second last and last position. Strava, as expected, is prominent on the lead with Frosted Departure a little bit keen to get after him. And those two get acquainted on the lead. They put two lengths on Santos Dumont, who runs in the third spot. Buck Moon, Haywood's Beach, they're side by side. And they're three clear of the last trio who line up. Time for trouble, Accidental Hero, and Command Performance, who's three deep on the course now. The field separated by nine lengths as they round the clubhouse turn. And Frosted Departure is kicked on to a length lead from Strava. Happy to track today from that second position, stretching out in distance. Buck Moon third as they make their way up the back stretch. A length and a half to Santos Dumont. Haywoods Beach galloping in the fifth position in those blue blinkers. He's six lengths behind. Already niggled along a little bit as he's being joined by Time for Trouble down the backside and a gap of three to Accidental Hero and Command Performance. They're still at the rear with a half mile to go. Frosted Departure still clear. The margin's a length and a half. Strava in the second position. Buck Moon third. Santos Dumont goes pretty well. Santos Dumont about to claim third. He's coming after the leaders as they round the turn. Then time for trouble. He's sent along five behind. Haywood's Beach not making up ground. He's losing position. Command performance still at the rear with Accidental Hero. Both runners have to pick it up as they round the far turn and approach the top of the lane. Here's Santos Dumont to challenge Frosted Departure. These two are squaring off. A couple of them in tight is Strava, who weakened got in tight, had to slam on the brakes here. They come down the lane and time for Troubles catching the eye. He's taking the second spot. Santos to Dumont has dropped anchor and on the lead it's Buck Moon. So Buck Moon's the one to reel in. Time for Trouble on the outside trying to get there. Buck Moon in front. Time for Trouble trying to reel him in. He's gaining ground. Time for Trouble on the outside. Time for Trouble. Nailed Buck Moon. Command performance third. Frosted departure. Fades to fourth. Unofficially, three, one, two, seven in the eighth race at Oaklawn Park. Number three, time for trouble. Who got bet down from 15 to one on the morning line to five to one at post time. Comes from well off the pace to get up in the nick of time. Second straight win for this gelded son of English channel. And he is now three for three on a wet dirt track. Obviously like that. And there were plenty of betters out there who saw that and bet him down from that morning line to make him the solid, uh, well, actually uh, third choice in the wagering, and he gets the job done over there at Oaklawn Park. Uh, getting close to post time at both Fairgrounds and Santa Anita, and we owe you prices from both of those locations. So we're going to start out at Santa Anita first, where the third race on the card was a roughly run stretch run, uh, but nonetheless a win, and now an official win for number six, Bronco Nagurski, He's a four-year-old Bay Gelding by Grayson out of the Tribal Rule Mayor Sunday Rules. 
owned by Nick Alexander, trained by Steve Miotti, and ridden to victory by Kaz Kamura. Bronco Nagurski paid $16.60, $6.460. Second two, Sneak a Smile, $3.63. Third one, Rhythm on Stage, $3.60 to show. Fourth was number seven, More Try. The exact is $72.80, the trifecta $255.80, and the dollar super $469.00. And 90 cents over at Fairgrounds. Uh, results have gone official for their sixth race, and we saw a very tenacious win from a first-time starter that it seemed like everybody knew about. And that first-time starter was number one, Tan Man Can, three-year-old chestnut colt by Spitzer out of the Scat Daddy Mare Scamper, owned by Big Bear Racing and J.D. Thoroughbreds, trained by Chris Hartman, Mitchell Merle, the winning rider on. Tan Man Can, who paid six twenty four dollars and three eighty. Second was number five Backfire four eighty four twenty. Third four Ellie's Boyfriend eight dollars to show. Fourth number three Purple Octopus exact at twenty seven sixty. The trifecta one oh four twenty and the dollar super seven hundred twenty nine dollars and ninety cents. Let's go over to the fairgrounds now as they're uh, allegedly two minutes away from post time from their seventh race, running a little bit behind schedule today, but uh, looks like they're trying to catch up just a little bit. Seventh race on the card is a maiden special weight event for the three-year-olds. They go about five and a half furlongs on the turf, and the turf course is now rated firm at the fairgrounds. Uh, 16 were entered, uh, scratch numbers 10 through 16, so nine will run. And the two vying for favoritism right now are number one, Patriarchal, and number six, Gimme the Candy. Patriarchal is a first-time starter for Al Stahl and jockey Mitchell Merle. Uh, so Mitchell Merle trying to win back-to-back races from the rail with first-time starters. Patriarchal is a son of Catholic boy out of a Harlan's Holiday mare. So certainly distance and turf breeding abound uh, for Patriarchal and uh Al Stahl, uh, overall having a very good start to the fairgrounds meet, uh, doesn't win with an abundance of first-time starters. He, he wins you know, about 10 11% of the time with his firsters. I mean, certainly capable, but I wouldn't. Overall, this is probably not their best situation. Uh, that being said, Patriarchal is getting bet like somebody thinks that he can run. And uh, that's always a question mark, especially when, you know, they're doing something they've never done. All the works for Patriarchal have come on dirt. And even though he's bred to handle the turf just fine, he's kind of bred to go longer than about five and a half furlongs. We'll see if he can get out from the rail and get a good trip and uh, kick on to win in his debut. On the other hand, number six, Gimme the Candy, is a second-time starter for Larry Ravelli, who debuted at Hawthorne last summer, showed speed in a four-and-a-half furlong race at odds of six to five, and ended up second, beaten just over a length while well clear of everybody else. And by the way, the third-place Philly, or not Philly, but the third-place runner that day, came back and won in his very next start. So give me the candy. I don't know where he's been since last summer. He's by twirling candy out of a Wildcat Air Mare. We all remember this mare, Richie's uh, little Wildcat. Give me the candy... um, Bred to handle the turf just fine and uh, coming back for a barn that excels with these extended layoff runners, winning it over 30% of the time with these long layoff runners. So they're kind of screwing around and not getting to the gate at fairgrounds, which is not good for us because they may go at the same time as the fourth race at Santa Anita. And the fourth at Santa Anita, six and a half furlongs on the main track. It's an optional claiming starter allowance event for fillies and mares. Um... 
and we've got a field of seven here. Two of them vying for favoritism. Number two, Crimson Rose is seven to five. The four, Noki, is nine to five on the board. Crimson Rose uh, just blasted $25,000 claimers at Los Al two starts back and was claimed out of that race, stepped up to much tougher company at Santa Anita and ran a very good second last time out and uh, claimed once again, now goes to the Mike Pipey barn for the first time. Uh, Pipey is not having a good start to his Santa Anita meet. In fact, he, he, he just hasn't had a very good 2023-2024 overall, just winning 7% of the time, and he wins much more than that overall. But lately, uh, Pipey's horses have, uh, have not been finding the winner's circle, and uh, we'll see if Crimson Rose can uh, get that bagel off the board for this winter meet at Santa Anita. Number four, Noki, coming off a, a good win from off the pace against similar starter allowance foes last time out. That was in November, mid-November at Del Mar, so about uh, seven, six, seven weeks off since that race. I'm trying to repeat that effort getting to Santa Anita. So we're watching these races, uh, watching both the fairgrounds and Santa Anita to see who decides they want to go first. And unfortunately, despite the fact that Fairgrounds is already behind schedule today, they're just taking their time. But it looks like they may actually be getting to the starting gate. So for the moment, it seems like we're going to stick at Fairgrounds as the first horse arrives at the gate for their seventh race. While at Santa Anita, even though it says zero minutes to post, they have not quite arrived at the starting gate for that. We may have to pick one of these races up in progress, which I apologize for, but it is not my fault. Um, okay, fairgrounds, they are double loading for this seventh race. Once again, maiden three-year-olds going about five and a half furlongs on the turf. Uh, several first-time starters in here, including number one, Patriarchal, who's getting a lot of play at the window. So they are, uh, unfortunately, when you have these lightly raced runners and first-time starters, they don't always go into the gate real smoothly and we're seeing that right now with number three Carthage Cajun a uh, first time starter by Constitution who is just hesitating as they try to get him into the gate but they still haven't arrived at the gate at Santa Anita so uh, maybe they're maybe I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of that that they're being proactive in trying to stay off the other major racetracks that are running rice now I probably shouldn't give them credit for that maybe they don't even know uh, but I will give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe that's happening. Number five, Baltimore Hart. Long shot at fairgrounds with Yoel Nabas aboard. Moving uh, into post position number five. Looks like we're almost all loaded at fairgrounds as they arrive at the gate at Santa Anita. Mind Bolt going to the outside gate. Here's race seven down in New Orleans. And they're off. Mindbolt rockets away. Baltimore Heartbroke slow and drifts back toward last. It's Mindbolt with Bonzer right there. Big Fig has the goal cap, and Dead Paint is another close one. And Baltimore Heart, after breaking slow, comes with a rush on the outside, but it's Bonzer. So Bonzer for Jaime Torres past the half mile pole in front of Baltimore Heart, who's keen. 
Mind Bolt is running in third with for the inside Big Fig in fourth. Give me the candy is fifth. Get paid in sixth. Carthage Cajun is a wide seventh as they round the far turn. Then toward the inside comes seven anniversary and the newcomer Patriarchal will join last as these maiden three rolls near the quarter pole. 23.17 for the lead part. It's Bonzer. And Bonzer leads for home. Give me the candy goes wide and Carthage Cajun floated to near the stand side rail. Toward the inside, it's Bonzer coming down toward the final furlong, gaining now on the outside. Here comes Debt Paint, and in between horses, Mind Bolt with this rally. As they come inside the final 16th, it's Mind Bolt. Mind Bolt is forged in front. Bonzer with the rail. Debt Paint continues on. It's Mind Bolt. Mind Bolt and Bonzer in a bobber to Mind Bolt for Raylo Gutierrez. And Mind Bolt edged away with yards to go and beats Bonzer by a neck to a half length. Debt Paint was third, and Patriarchal finished fourth. Unofficially, 9-8-4-1 in the seventh race at Fairgrounds. Mind Bolt, first-time starter by Bolt Doro, getting the hard-fought win over another firster, number eight, Bonzer. Those two well clear of the others. Let's head out to Santa Anita. Last few horses going into the gate for their fourth race and Frank Miramati. And they're off. Bella Ranella, Sherlyn Gogo on the outside has speed. Here's Crimson Rose in the yellow coming through, and Crimson Rose is up to take over. Noki now moves a joint second. Bella Ranella, white blinkers on the outside. Irish Wahini in between those two. They're followed by Sherlyn Gogo, now four lengths off the lead. A new piece and keen lady. Heading to the half mile pole, and Crimson Rose speeds clear by more than three lengths. Noki second, ahead in front of Irish Wahini. Then a new piece in Bella Ranella, now five off the lead, followed by Keen Lady and Sherlyn Gogo. Less than three-eighths to travel in Crimson Rose, in charge by two and a half. Noki pushed along, trying to close the gap in second. Then Irish Wahini third, followed by a new piece and Bella Ranella. They have passed the quarter pole and turned for home. Crimson Rose hugs the rail and goes on by two. Noki not giving up in second. Irish Wahini is in third. Final furlong. Crimson Rose fully extended. Noki determined within about a length and a half. But Crimson Rose repels the challenge. And Crimson Rose takes him from flag fall to that's all. Noki second. Irish Wahini a new piece. And fifth got very close between Bella Ranella and Sherlyn Gogo. Unofficially, 2-4-5-1 in the fourth race at Santa Anita. Two favorites battling down to the line, and number two, Crimson Rose, able to fend off the bid of Noki, who I, I don't know if it was her fending her off or Noki just making a little bit of a run and then just getting tired down the lane, but Crimson Rose gets back to her winning way. She now has two wins from her last three starts, and Mike Pipey unofficially uh, off the bagel, if you will, as uh, he had zero wins for the meet thus far at Santa Anita, but unofficially gets the job done with Crimson Rose in the fourth race out at the great race place. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, oh, your prices from Oaklawn will get you paid at both Fairgrounds and Santa Anita. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Did you know that when you make time to talk, read, or sing with your child, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? As a father, helping my child thrive is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children and to help them enter school ready to learn and succeed in life, starting from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. 
Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. A lot of things feel out of control these days, so it's time you pick your battles. Skip playing referee in the morning. Skip laundry this week. Skip game limits today. Skip cooking tonight. New realities require new routines, and it's okay to skip some of the old ones. But don't skip your preteens' well visits and recommended and catch-up vaccinations. A public service announcement from Vaccinate Your Family in collaboration with Merck. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor because that's a really important job. I would help kids get better and make everything super fun. I'd have a cool waiting room with games, toys, and a huge TV. If your child is sick over and over again, it could be PI, a serious defect of the immune system. Early testing gives children a chance to dream. And I'll give every kid a cherry lollipop because that's the best flavor. Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. Visit info4pi.org. Don't miss the Equine Forum every Saturday from 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern right here on HRRN. Mike Penna brings you the latest in thoroughbred racing, featuring interviews with trainers, jockeys, owners, and other racing insiders. Plus, exclusive segments you won't hear anywhere else. The Equine Forum, the show that launched a network. Saturdays, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Sirius 162, XM 207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Silvercraft and James Lopez now in high gear on the outside as they turn into the stretch. Black Diamond Cat has the lead. Uptown Charlie Brown swings to the outside and runs at the leader second. Big Louie is now back to third inside the final Bernard. Uptown Charlie Brown now strikes to the lead. Comes from the maiden ranks and will score in a stakes in front and going away. He might be the real deal drawing away. Scoring by three and a half, it'll be a photo for second, and the running time, 124 and one. He will forever, in my mind, be known as the voice of Tampa Bay Downs. Despite the fact that Richard Grunder retired a few years ago, that uh, he is Tampa Bay Downs. Similar to the way that Mike Battaglia will always be the voice of Turfway Park uh, to me as well. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm Bobby Newman, here with you every Friday afternoon. 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time as we head toward our M Wager Weekend Stakes preview. Bob Nastanovich and I are going to look at a dozen races tonight from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. dozen races from around the country, uh, including five stakes, I believe, tomorrow at Santa Anita. A lot of cowbred stakes. Uh, nice Busanda running at uh, Aqueduct. They've got a, a nice menu of stakes tomorrow at Tampa Bay Downs. And uh, got some good Sunday action in both New York and California as well. Next week is when we get back to the Derby Trail, if you will. Obviously, anytime you see a three-year-old running these days, whether it's a stake race or not, theoretically, uh, if they look good, you're thinking the Derby Trail. They just might be a little bit behind the eight ball. But obviously, we saw a horse like Justify not too long ago uh, wait until late in the game to get his career rolling before eventually uh, going on to Kentucky Derby and Triple Crown Greatness. Um, 
but the points qualifiers, if you will, uh, resume next week. There's none this week, but the LeCompte, a grade three race down at the fairgrounds, uh, continues the Louisiana road. Uh, I guess the, they probably call it the road to the Louisiana Derby because, you know, even though, you know, they're owned by the same company as Churchill Downs, you know, look, we're, you know, these races stand alone, the LeCompte and the Risen Star and the Louisiana Derby, and it's a big deal all of them. There's a lot of money at stake, things like that. Um, but as far as the Derby points go, um, the stakes get raised a little bit. Last few stakes that we've seen, uh, like the Jerome and the Gunrunner and some of the ones last year and the Smarty Jones this year, uh, the winner, if they were eligible, got 10 Kentucky Derby qualifying points. I believe the LeCompte next week starts those 20 on down ones, and they pay five spots, but the winner gets 20. Um, you know, it's kind of a fluid situation when you talk about the points qualifying for the Derby because they, they alter it each year, you know, as to maybe which races are worth, worth which points. And, you know, it used to be that only like the top four finishers in a points qualifier got points, and now I think it's the top five in each of the races. Um, so just because... You needed this many points last year to get in. Doesn't mean that's enough points to get in this year. That kind of a thing. But we do know this. If you win the LeCompte and you get those 20 points, um, you don't have to win another race after that. You know, if you're looking at going in the Risen Star or the Louisiana Derby, you know, a a second-place finish and maybe even a third-place finish, uh, depending on which race it is, will get you enough points added on to that LeCompte win to get you into the starting gate the first Saturday in May. So, listen, all points are important when it comes to this. Um, I happen to think, uh, and listen, Churchill Downs doesn't ask my opinion on this, and they probably will never ask my opinion on anything. Um, it is, <laughs> it is, it, it's not that it's not that they should have a problem with me. Nobody asks my opinion on things. I give my opinion a lot of times. Nobody asks uh, for my opinion. But uh, I happen to think there are too many two-year-old races that are points qualifiers um, and not enough three-year-old. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean a thing to me if a horse wins a two-year-old race in September that they should get points. Why, why would that be a points race over the one-mile Mucho Macho Man on New Year's Day at Gulfstream or the San Vicente uh, seven furlong race where I know Muth was not eligible for Derby points, but you know it it is what it is. Theoretically, you know that's the start of the Derby Trail, at least the Santa Anita Derby Trail in Southern California. Winning, you know, a stake in September as a two-year-old, it, I, I don't. It, what does that matter? What a, a horse who was you're 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 rewarding a horse that was good eight months before the Derby. I, I don't know. I, I, the Breeders' Cup definitely should have points. And, you know, the Breeders' Cup winner gets gets a lot of points. Probably not enough on its own to get into the Kentucky Derby, but enough that all he or she really needs to do is hit the board somewhere along the way, and they'll have enough points to get into the Kentucky Derby. But these other one, I, the, other one the point system doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I'm sure a lot of it has to do with the fact that, uh, you know, they're Churchill and they can make up the rules that they want. And if they want to give points to races at their tracks, as opposed to, as opposed to points opposed opposed to points at non-Churchill CDI tracks, uh, that's their prerogative. Same way it's the prerogative of 
certain racetrack owners naming stakes after horses that never won at a certain track just because they, he or she happened to own that horse. It's the golden rule, right? He, he or she who has the gold makes the rules. I understand it. Um, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G Unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Uh, okay, owe you some prices from around the country and we're going to start out at Oaklawn Park, where the eighth race on the card was a good come-from-behind effort for number three, Time for Trouble. Seven-year-old chestnut gelding by English Channel out of the Galileo Mare, Starstruck. It's owned by Thorndale Stable and Jeff Hiles. Jeff Hiles also the trainer, Rafael Bejarano, uh, in the saddle on number three, Time for Trouble, who paid 1220, 560, and 320. Second one, Buck Moon, 1080, 520. Third, two, Command Performance, 320 to show. Fourth, number seven, Frosted Departure. The Exacta paid $120.20. The Trifecta, ninth race on their card. And seventh race at Fairgrounds was won by a first-time starter. Number nine, Mind Bolt. Three-year-old Dark Bayer Brown Colt by Bolt Doro out of the Street Sense Mare. Withian, and I don't know if I pronounced that right. G-W-I-T-H-I-A-N. Withian? Withian? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Owned by Highlander Training Center, trained by Brett Calhoun, Relu Gutierrez, the winning rider on Mindbolt, who paid $44.2220 and $880. Second, eight, Bonzer, $6.420. Third, four, Debt Paid, $640 to show. Fourth, number one, Patriarchal. The exact at $210.20. The try, $574.20. Dollar Super, $6,542.80. Over at Santa Anita results have been posted official for their fourth race. And at Santa Anita, we saw the two favorites dominate the rest of the field. It was number two, Crimson Rose, who got the job done. She's a five-year-old chestnut bear by Fed Biz out of the Ghost Sapper Mare. Phantom Phaser, owned by Avancino, Exelby, or Mayo, and trained by Mike Pipey, Juan Hernandez in the saddle. Uh, number two, Crimson Rose, who paid 440 240 and $220. Second four, Noki, $3, $240. Third five, Irish Wahini, $340 to show. Fourth number one, a new piece. The exact at $1080, the trifecta $5640. Dollar super paid $82.20. All right, a little bit of an update on where we are here. Next live race is going to come from Oaklawn Park. It is the ninth race on the card at Oaklawn and ninth race on the Oaklawn card is there on the Oaklawn card rather is their finale on this Friday afternoon horses coming onto the track shorter post parades they announced this halfway through the card it's just getting cold in hot springs somewhere in the mid to high 30s right now and um, even though there's no chance of rain at least at this point it's cold enough that they don't want to keep the horses and the people out on the track uh, longer than they need to so uh Technically, three minutes to, well, it says three minutes to post for the ninth race, but they're just coming onto the track for this finale. It is one mile, which is a two-turn mile at Oaklawn Park, 
And uh, as we've heard year in and uh, year out, uh, they they use the first finish line when they go to the mile. So it, I remember Terry Wallace is calling, they come in, here they come into the short stretch of the mile run. Uh, other announcers since then, whether it's Frank Miramati or the current announcer or Aiello or, or uh, Vic Stauffer will usually remind us at some point, like halfway through the race, uh, uh, don't forget they're, you know, they're ending at the 16th pole. Or something. I, I don't know if they're reminding us or if they're trying to remind the jockeys that they end at the 16th pole. But that's what happens at Oaklawn Park. And uh, this one-mile maiden special way to fare for the three-year-old Phillies. Big field of 11 going to post number four. Honor Cat is 3-2 to two on the board for the team of Robertino Diodoro and Christian Torres. Boy, this is an interesting one to take 3-2 to two on. So the first three starts of her career, uh, which were all for Diodoro, uh, she wasn't much. Uh, she ran... Po- just average sprinting in her debut at Churchill. She ran okay routing at Horseshoe Indy, which is obviously a much softer spot normally. Then she got back to the main track at Churchill, and she was terrible. Uh, While Diodoro was serving a little bit of a suspension, his assistant, Sean Williams, took over and uh, ran Honor Cat about a month ago at Oaklawn in a similar one-mile maiden special weight affair. She was 50-1 to that day, and she got beat ahead, finishing second that afternoon while 10 lengths clear of the third-place finisher. So off what clearly is her best race and where she was 50-1, to now you get to take 7-5 to if you want her today. That seems a little bit too short for me. She could win... It ain't going to be with me uh, on her back. Uh, But I will say this. A repeat of her last race, speed figure-wise, clearly beats this field. Not even close. Nobody has ever run close to that kind of race before. And Honor Cat had never run that kind of race before that last race. So, I mean, I, I guess if you're going with the theory that even if she backs up a little bit, she probably still wins. Yeah, maybe. I, I hate playing runners who I think are going to regress off their previous starts and even more don't like playing them when they're short prices. And that's exactly what Honor Cat is. So if I'm trying to beat Honor Cat, where do I go? Well, number six, what's her number? It's just making the second start of her career. She debuted sprinting last month at Oaklawn and had no speed at all. In fact, I think was last uh, or near the back of the pack in a 12-horse field. Uh, most of the way before closing and finishing fourth, beating about seven and a half or eight lengths. She now gets Lasix for the first time. She gets blinkers added for the second start of her career. She's by dialed in out of an empire maker mare. Kind of sounds like she should handle two turns, no problem. And let's face it, second start of her career, there's no reason she can't be better than she was in her debut. Uh, Joe Sharp, uh, obviously a solid barn and we'll see if he can get this one to uh, run a big race in her second career start. You go to number 10, Princess is Olivia. Uh, she is also 5-1 to one right now. Four career starts, all sprinting, and she's been showing speed and just getting a little bit late in the final 16th uh, in her last few starts. I don't know if she's bred to be better long than short, though. She's by uh, Preservationist out of a Spitestown mare. Kind of sounds 
like more sprinter, miler type, you know, one turnish breeding to me. I don't doubt that she could get out in front of this field and take them a long way, but uh, I'm a little bit worried that she may not like going the two-turn, one-mile distance. Number eight, Paces Two Cents, is a second-time starter for Kenny McPeak. Uh, this one debuted on the turf at Churchill last September and had the misfortune of running behind Buku, who obviously turned into a pretty nice filly in her own right. She was nowhere near Buku at the end of that race, but she's uh, she's been off since then. So I don't know if that race really means anything. Maybe something happened to her in the race, uh, and that's why she's been off for the last several months. And now, you know, instead of Kenny McPeak uh, returning her somewhere that actually runs on turf during the winter, whether it be somewhere like Gulfstream Park or Fairgrounds or even Tampa, if he wanted to run for smaller purses, um, he doesn't do that. He decides to run her on the uh, the dirt-only surface of Oaklawn Park, and they get a muddy dirt surface. So I guess, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there who think that turf horses run well on off main tracks and vice versa. And if you're one of those, maybe you think that that works well for number eight paces, two cents, who was bred to run all day being by street sense out of an AP Indy mare. And this one shows a, a nice series of works since her last race for her return to the races. Only five works since that race, but still a, ni- a, a nice series of works as she makes the second start of her career. So they're at the gate for this ninth race at Oaklawn Park. Once again, the solid favorite remains number four, Honor Cat, who is coming off a race that uh, plain and simply would beat this field very, very easily if she somehow was able to repeat it. It was so much better than she's ever run. I have a hard time thinking she's going to run as well or better today than she did last time. Does she run close? Does she regress and still beat this field? Or does she regress enough that it brings some of these other maidens into play? We are going to find out shortly. Last couple of runners going in. The five, Pepper's girlfriend to post position number five. Number 11, lighted up Louie to the outside gate. Here's race nine at Oaklawn. We're ready to go in the finale. And uh, Laroff in the nightcap. Very awkward break from Princess is Olivia, who drops to the reel. Honor Cat, the favorite, going to the front. Honor Cat's in front from what's her number. A little bit keen, stretching out in distance today. Gets to the outside into the turn as Honor Cat leads the way. So Honor Cat is the pacemaker in the nightcap. A length in front from what's her number. Chris Landeros trying to get her to relax in the second position. And third is Scenic Beauty tucked in on the inside. She's a length and a half in front of Chica Arma. And then comes Pepper's girlfriend racing a joint fifth with business as usual, swinging up the backstretch. Contour is next. It's about seven lengths behind in the Winchell colors. A length back to light it up Louie and a space of four to the last three who line up at the back of the pack. My favorite girl is there with Pace's two cents and Princess is Olivia as they're halfway home in the nightcap. No Excuses for Honor Cat, who's clearly ahead, going nice and easy, it appears. Opens up a length and three quarters. What's her number is second. Scenic Beauty about to pass her, claims that second spot as what's her number is giving way. Looks like she's calling it a day. She's being joined by business as usual. Then Chica Arma sent along from there. Contour Pepper's girlfriend lighted up Louie trying to pass runners on the fence now, but she's nine lengths off the lead. Princess is Olivia gathering momentum, but they've all got to get going if they want to beat Honor Cat, who's opened up a Approaching the top of the lane, and look at her go. Honor Cat, six ahead, and a matter of strides here. Honor Cat all alone on the lead as she comes down the lane. This race will end at the 16th pole. 
Pepper's girlfriend chasing in the second spot. Business as usual is coming on. Honor Cat in front. She's getting desperate for the line. She's still well clear. She's going to get it done here. Honor Cat by five. Well clear. Photo for second there between business as usual and light it up Louie. And then came Scenic Beauty Contour and Pepper's girlfriend. Did he just say in the matter of about three seconds that Honor Cat is desperate for the line and then wins by five? <laughs> That's not that desperate for the line. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Uh, even money, the final price on number four, Honor Cat, who uh, was not desperate for the line and was in front by five, as he did say, uh, at the line. Honor Cat, uh, just much too good for this field. And uh, don't know if she ran as well today as she did last time out, but the difference is she won today, and she did win last time out. Good battle for the Miners, no doubt about the winner. It's number four, Honor Cat, winner of the finale at Oaklawn Park. Uh, a few minutes away from the eighth and final over at Fairgrounds, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, as we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the 2010 edition of the Pasco Stakes, won by the Allen Seawald trainee, Uptown Charlie Brown. Do you remember Uptown Charlie Brown? He was a horse that I think always was supposed to be better than he really was. And uh, he broke his maiden super impressively at Tampa and then came back to, like three weeks later or so and won the Pasco. And that was the last time he ever saw the winner's circle. Uh, he did run in a lot of graded stakes throughout his career, including running in the Belmont Stakes, I believe, in 2010. And I, he might have finished last uh, in that race, but uh, didn't really have any success. They tried to make him into a Kentucky Derby horse, running him in, in races like the Tampa Bay Derby and the Lexington, and uh, wasn't, you know, I, I think he might have actually hit the board in the Lexington, but he never won again after his win in the 2010 Pasco. Overall, two wins, two seconds, two thirds from 13 career tries. He only banked $125,000. I think he was a horse that was always rumored to be better than he actually was. Uh, as far as the Pasco Stakes goes, this is a race that's been around for about 25 years, and uh, this year's edition of the Pasco is one of three stakes races tomorrow at Tampa Bay Downs, and uh, Bob Nastanovich and I will talk about all three of those Tampa Stakes coming up on our Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview, well, less than 30 minutes from now uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. As far as the Pasco Stakes goes, uh, there have been a few good horses over the years that have won the race. I would say over the last, you know, eight, ten years or so, the best ones are probably World of Trouble and Win, Win, Win uh, for Jason Service and Mike Trombetta, respectively. I was a big fan of Win, Win, Win. Uh, always liked that horse. I thought he was a horse uh, with a whole lot of talent, and World of Trouble was a very, very good horse in his own right. Um, there was a horse like 20 years ago that a guy named Richie Chardulo Jr. trained in South Florida named Superfuse, another one that I thought was pretty nice. He wasn't nationally known, but he was a nice Calder Tampa type of horse that I think he got the do job done in the Pasco. But uh, a good field uh, in the Pasco this year, even a graded stake winner in the Pasco this year. And I, I love a horse in this year's Pasco. And I don't usually love horses on the main track at Tampa, uh, but I think there's a standout in the Pasco this year, and uh, you'll have to listen to the Amwager Weekend Stakes preview to find out who that is that I think is uh, so good. And like I said, that comes up uh, now about 25 minutes away. Eighth and final at the fairgrounds is uh, about a minute away. 
Six furlongs on the fast main track. Louisiana bred maiden three-year-old fillies in for a $15,000 tag. Full field of 12. Uh-oh, we just scratched one. We just scratched number 12, She's a Perfect Dream, who was the second choice in the wagering as they were near the gate. And they're taking, and, and I see her being walked off. So obviously either Jockey Aubrey Green or the track vet at the starting gate uh, didn't like something that they felt or saw, and she's been scratched out of this race. So with the scratch of number 12, that means that number nine, Sweet Guitar, is solidly favored now at 8-5. to five. Before that scratch, the nine was 2-1, to one, the 12 was 5-2. to two. Now the 12's out, the nine drops down to 8-5, to five, and I wouldn't be surprised if she goes lower than that as that's just the way things go uh, with these wagering. Sweet Guitar, a daughter of Star Guitar, who has uh, been facing higher-level maiden-claiming competition thus far in her career. First two starts were atrociously bad. And last time out, ran an okay fifth, uh, beaten seven lengths at the maiden 20 level. So now dropping for 10 makes sense. But that last race looks even better with the fact that Sweet Guitar actually broke through the starting gate before the race, then was reloaded in the gate, and, and then went on to a, a halfway decent effort. We, you know, those of us who have been around racing as long as most of us have, very rarely do we see horses who break through the front of the starting gate beforehand, get reloaded, and run a good race. Almost never win. Almost never. Very rarely run a really good race. And... Sweet Guitar actually ran okay. She ran fifth last time out, despite uh, those antics before the start. So uh, they're, they're kind of taking their time now, getting people a chance to uh, make their exchanges and uh, change their minds with that late scratch. Over at Santa Anita, they're getting close to post time for the fifth race on their card. Uh, this is a maiden optional claiming event. Uh, three-year-olds that have started for a claiming price or that were reserved, not attained, or sold at an auction for $150,000 or less, those all can run at the maiden special weight level, or you can be in for the 62.5 claiming tax, 62500 I should say. Seven furlongs the distance on the main track. All the action coming in on the seven Tapalo, T-A-P-L-A-O-A-L-O, I'm sorry, Tapalo, a John Sadler trainee who was over three thus far uh, in his career. A fourth, a second, and a third place finish to his credit uh, at Los Al, Santa Anita, and Del Mar, respectively. He's a short horse that shows speed most of the time and uh, actually ran a really good race in defeat last time out, going a mile, shortening up to seven furlongs. Should help his chances. Don't know if I want four to five. So uh, watching both fairgrounds, and Santa Anita now because we're trying to get both of these to you. Unfortunately, with the delays at fairgrounds, they look like they might run one on top of the other. In fact, we're going to go to Santa Anita first uh, because they have arrived at the starting gate and they're starting to load. Fairgrounds is almost at the gate, which is kind of bad, but they're going in at Santa Anita. So hopefully we'll be able to get you both or at least all of one and part of the other. I hate that we have to do this, but... uh, you know, circumstances uh, at the racetrack have uh, caused delays at fairgrounds, and that's why, uh, in fact, they're having more issues right now as the rider is off number one, Soy to Suerte, 
And that one's uh, getting a little rambunctious behind the gate. But uh, continuing to load at Santa Anita, starting to load at Fairgrounds. And they're delaying enough with the load at the Fairgrounds that if they can get this last view in at Santa Anita, we might be able to bring you both races live. But we're going to stick with Santa Anita first. And we're just waiting for the nine Bowtie Boys to load into the outside gate. Apprentice J.G. Torrealba aboard. Now number seven, the favorite, Tapolo, is a little fractious, settling down. Should be all set. And they're off. Cavea was out very quickly. So is Sharpazano in the middle now going straight to the front. Here's Explosively. Bowtie Boys is on the outside, and Tapalo is in that mix too. Big Gain is just off that group, getting a little bit off the rail. And then it's a gap of two and a half or so back to Dealham, who is too clear of mischief moments, and Citadino with the distant trailer. Tapalo takes the lead with a half mile left to travel with pursuers in the form of Explosively on the outside, right up alongside the challenge now. And Gavea's third, a length in front of Big Gain, who's making progress between rivals, Bowtie Boy on the outside. A gap of five to Sharpazano, then comes Dealham, Citadino, and Mischief Moments. They're midway on the far turn, and Tapalo goes on, opens up a length and a half. Big gain along the inside, takes up the chase clearly into second, explosively weakening. Bowtie Boys is next, Citadino running on in the orange. Top of the stretch, and Tapalo bounding away by five. Big gain, Citadino making headway, hugging the rail, and then Bowtie Boys, a 16th to go, and Tapalo is too strong. And Tapalo makes short work of the competition, winning by four lengths. Big gain, clearly second best. Citadino third, then Bowtie Boys and Sharpazano. Unofficially 7-1-2-9 in the fifth at Santa Anita. The favorite, Tapalo, getting the job done and scoring easily at a shortish price uh, in that fifth race. Over at Fairgrounds, last few going in uh, for their finale on the card. John Dooley has the rest of the load and the call. And they're off. Nice line out. Miss Nimbus broke sharp with Gigi's love, good speed, and Soy to Suerte hustled from the rail. Miss Nimbus. Miss Nimbus took the early lead for Manuel Nieves. Soy to Suerte takes back with Flash It Wide Open uh, running in third. Uh, Gigi's love toward the inside in fourth. Lexi's Fury in fifth. Stormy Country Day starts a bid from sixth. Eve with the rail. Then on the outside comes Lassie's Dude Date, who's racing three clear from Sweet Guitar, the final favorite, joined out wide by Steal Me Over, who's running second to last, and Costa Lady Trails here in the Friday finale. The quarter, this windy day, 22.63 seconds. Miss Nimbus has come clear by eight lengths, coming toward the quarter pole as Gigi's Love gains second from Soy to Suerte with Toward the inside, flash it wide open as they straighten away and farther out into the track is Stormy Country Day. But it's Miss Nimbus, half mile, 46.78 seconds. She's a 10-length leader. Miss Nimbus coming down toward the final 16th from Gigi's Love. Evie toward the rail, Lexi's Fury. Sweet Guitar is running on. And on the outside, looking to gain ground is Lassie's due date. But Miss Nimbus, the daughter of Clearly Now, has scored the winning run with Emmanuel Nieves. Miss Nimbus at 28 to 1 strikes. Gigi's Love was second, Evie third, and Sweet Guitar finished fourth. 
Unofficially 4-2-3-9 in the eighth and final at Fairgrounds. Miss Nimbus, not to be confused with Mr. Nimbus from Rick and Morty fame. Miss Nimbus running away and hiding from the field at 28-1 to and winning by a, a long, long ways, covering the six furlongs in 113-2. and two. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we owe you prices at Oklahoma. We'll get you paid at Santa Anita, get you paid at Fairgrounds as well. Give you a little bit of interesting news that's happened in the last few days. Betting with Bobby on HRRN. I'm William Shatner. I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled when I see the real battles our brave, paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom. And when they come home. I had just come home from serving over in Germany. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later. I was paralyzed. While parachuting with my platoon, my parachute didn't open. I broke my neck. It left me paralyzed for the rest of my life. I was on a routine patrol, and uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America, because they've kept their promise to never leave a fallen soldier behind. A roof over the heads, accessible homes, cars, jobs, benefits. PBA has brought me back to life. Show them their sacrifice hasn't been in vain. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. The YMCA is just a starting line, but the true self blooms only when we find our purpose, what makes us tick below the surface. My why is diversity in unity, a safe space in my community, living with sincerity, giving every day my everything. With my why, I stand strong, seen, and supported all along. It's a million faces in a mirror, and everyone belongs. Find your why. Learn more at ymca.org for a better us. A gentle breeze blows across your face as you take a refreshing sip of water, appreciating the stillness of another morning fishing on the lake. The distant gurgle of a stream reminds you of days spent playing in the creek, the cool, clear water rushing between your toes. You love this time with nature. The feeling of putting everything on hold to connect with the world around you. Now, imagine it's all gone. No fish, no lake, no water. One of life's most vital resources, irreplaceably depleted. Time is running out to protect fresh water, and without our love, it can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our fresh water. Visit World Wildlife Fund at wwf.org slash love. Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the horse racing radio nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN. That's 888-966-4776. And discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show. Sirius 162, XM207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They're at the top of the stretch, Kenton Road. 
Jolie Olympica, Storm the Hill is down at the rail. Jolie Olympica now just gets a nudge from Mike Smith and is trying to get to Kenton Road. Kenton Road's tough, but Jolie Olympica up alongside. And this is a very smooth welcome to the U.S. for Jolie Olympica, the winner of the La Cienega Stakes with plenty of promise. Kenton Road second, Storm the Hill third, and Eddie surprise fourth. Welcome back. Final segment on today's edition of Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. That was Frank Miramati's call back in 2020. The grade three Las Cienegas at Santa Anita. That year run at the distance of five and a half furlongs on the turf. Jolie Olympica was making her U.S. debut that afternoon. And uh, she got the job done. She was undefeated uh, down, I, down in South America before that race. I believe down in Brazil. Uh, including a, a grade one win in the uh, Grande Premio Jockey Club down there and uh, was very impressive in the Las Cienegas. Ended up going on to win the Monrovia, I believe, as well. And then uh, she ended up closing her career in 2021 with three straight races up at Woodbine for trainer Josie Carroll, including a win in the Nassau Stakes. And despite that, the fact she only ran three times at Woodbine, she had one win and two sixth-place finishes. Uh, she was the Sovereign Award uh, winner as far as the champion turf female in 2021, which obviously is good for Jolie Olympica. Doesn't say a whole lot about what the other turf uh, – the other turf females that were running in Canada then, if, if one who – only ran three times there, and one win and two sixth-place finishes somehow is the Sovereign Award champ. Uh, but nonetheless, that's what happened in 2021. Overall, Jolie Olympica won six of her 12 career starts, banked over $460,000 in her career. And this year's edition of the Las Cienegas is the Sunday feature out at Santa Anita, one of 12 races that Bob Nastanovich and I will preview in the upcoming Amwager Weekend Stakes preview just about 11, 12 minutes from now. The Las Cienegas is a race that's been around since the mid-1970s, and with the exception of, ra of years that it was rained off the turf onto the main track, it has been a turf sprint, and for the most part, one of those down-the-hill turf sprints. Now, when Jolie Olympica run, ran, uh, they were not running down the hill. That was one of the, and, and the year after as well. But uh, they've been running back down the hill the last few years for the Las Cienegas, and they are doing it again this year. Ms. Direction won the race two years in a row, once off the turf and once uh, down the hill. So uh, she's one of the more famous ones that won, have won this race. Uh, going way back, uh, really at the start of when I was a uh, becoming a racing fan, do you remember... The Philly Wishing Well. You probably remember that name more for the fact that she was the dam of Sunday silence. Uh, but she was also a very good uh, Philly in her in her racing career as well. She was a multiple graded stakes winner. Um, and although the La Cienegas wasn't a graded stake uh, back in 1981 when she won it, she did get the job done. Uh, I think Fernando Toro, Toro on the turf, as they used to say, Got the job done uh, when Gary Jones, I think, was training, wishing. I know Don Luby trained her at some point, but I think Gary Jones had her uh, when she won the wishing when she won the La Cienegas back in the early 80s. All right, uh, owe you some prices from everywhere. So we're going to start out at Oaklawn Park, where the finale on their Friday card uh, was won by number four, Honor Cat. 
And the favorite to honor cat, a three-year-old dark bay or brown filly by honor code out of the street sense mare sense of war owned by John Holloman and Randy Hogue and trained by Robertino Diodoro. Christian Torres, the winning rider, honor cat paid 420-280 and 280. The second three business as usual, 845-60. Third 11, lighted up Louie, $8 to show. And fourth number two, scenic beauty. The exact at 3120, the try 7570. Dollar super, $3,387.90. Pretty good superfecta with an even money shot getting the job done on top. Over at Santa Anita, fifth race on the card went to the favorite number seven, Tapalo. Uh, he's a three-year-old Bay Ridgeling by Tapature out of the Empire Maker Mare, Agent Romanoff, owned by Hironis Racing and trained by John Sadler, Joel Rosario in the Irons. Tapalo paid $3.240 and $2.10. Second one, big gain, $6.80, Third two, Citadino, $7 to show. Fourth number nine, Bowtie Boys, the exact in 1960. Try 201.40, the dollar super, $401.60. Agent Romanoff, is that the name of uh, James Bond's uh, love interest in, uh, what was that? Uh, what, what, what was that? Was it uh, from Russia with love? Was that, was that the one where, uh, uh, was it Agent Romanoff in that one? I think it might have been. Uh, over at Fairgrounds, I digress. Oh, I'm... My, our, our producer, Lee Delapina, is saying she's from the Avengers. I bet you if you go back to From Russia with Love, um, I think uh, the good-looking lo- the, the, the good gal that was uh, kind of, that she was with James Bond for a while was Agent Romanoff. I think she was. Listen, Romanoff is probably a popular name over in that part of the world. Why would it only be used once? Uh, at Fairgrounds, eighth and final race on their card, won by a long shot, number four, Miss Nimbus, three-year-old Dark Bay or Brown filly by Clearly Now out of the pulpit, Mayor Miss Inclined, owned by Bam Stables, trained by Whitney Zarenge Jr. and ridden to victory by Manny Nieves. Miss Nimbus, 5880, $28, $940. Second, two, Gigi's Love, 940 Third three, Eve's Eve, 360 to show. Fourth number nine, Sweet Guitar, exact of 445.80. The try, 589.10. Dollar super, $5,093.20. Uh, Lee Delapina, who is not leaving this alone, is uh, letting me know that Scarlett Johansson played Natasha Romanoff, um, a superhero in the Avengers. I'm going to tell you this, and you're probably not going to believe me. The gal who played Agent Romanoff in From Russia with Love even better looking than Scarlett Johansson. Even better looking than her. And you say, no chance. Now you got to go look it up, though. See what I've done? I've, I've, now, you know, your sickos like me are going to go try to figure this out, see if I'm right, and if, if I'm right about that. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the show, and I want to let everybody know, interesting news in the world of racing that came about uh, yesterday. Well, the it didn't come about yesterday, but basically uh, there's going to be a, a change in regime and a change in the way things go in Maryland racing uh, over the next four or five years. Basically, beginning January 1st of 2025, uh, this new uh, conglomerate called the Maryland Thoroughbred Racetrack Operating Authority will have complete control of what's going on at Laurel and Pimlico. And what they're going to do is they're going to put hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, mostly from the state, 
into Pimlico, and they're going to revamp the whole thing. They may even basically uproot the, the track itself and move it a different direction. They're, they haven't really decided on that yet and what they're doing with the grandstand, but they're going to they're going to redo the whole track, the whole grandstand. It's going to be a much smaller grandstand that eventually will hold about 5,000 people on uh, weekdays or whatever, not non-big days, and they will be able to expand to hold supposedly 70,000 people uh, when they have the Preakness there. Um, so it's a project that's going to take three or four years, uh, and Laurel will run straight through uh, those three or four years, and uh, I assume have the Preakness at Laurel. I don't know. I, the Preakness is still going to be the property of the first corporation, um, but I assume that it will be at Laurel at the time. Then when the Pimlico job is done, um, basically this this new authority is going to take over everything that goes on at Pimlico. They're going to give Laurel back uh, complete control to the first corporation, in which and at which time Laurel will close forever. And all racing will be at Pimlico, and they're going to develop Laurel into other non-racing things. But uh, no, even into the future, uh, the first group, whatever you want to call it, Stronic, whoever, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, will have the rights to the Preakness and will lease them, I assume, to Pimlico and this new Maryland uh, racetrack operating authority. I hope uh, there, isn't, there isn't a loophole somewhere where they can move the Preakness to some other first track. I would think it would be weird to have the Preakness at Santa Anita or at Gulfstream Park. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but the thing that caught my eye is that uh, it, there is a chance um, that even though they're approved for a dirt track and a turf track at the new Pimlico, there is a chance that instead of dirt, they may put a synthetic track in uh, for the main track. They have not made that decision yet. Um, there have been arguments one way or the other. So theoretically, within the next five years or so, we could see one of the Triple Crown races, the Preakness, run on a non-dirt surface. How about that? All right, that's going to wrap up a fun edition of Betting with Bobby. By the way, I was right. From Russia with love, Tatiana Romanova. So not Romanov, Romanova. And she's still better looking than Scarlett Johansson. Uh, for our producer, Lee Delapina, I'm Bobby Newman. Thank you so much for joining us on Betting with Bobby this afternoon. Stick around. Bob Nastanovich is going to join me three minutes from now. We've got the Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview coming up. We look at 12 races from around the country this weekend. <laughs> 